Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the M3 Podcast. It's me, your host, Mermaid Bree, and we're on day five of our seven-day mini medicine series. This is on the topics of sleep, recovery, most importantly, and hydration replenishment. Why do we need sleep? All human beings need sleep. Most animals do, but all humans need sleep. If you don't, you're not human. (laughs) We spend a lot mostly probably a third of our lives asleep and it's as important as food, water, and even air in our survival. We need this to recover, replenish memory consolidation, brain functions, supporting our immune system, healing after an injury, or even helping rid off of a disease, prevention of a disease, especially heart disease. These are important functions But yet sleep is something that's still very mysterious to the scientific world. Typically, sleep is defined as an altered state of consciousness or a condition of the body and mind wherein the nervous system is less active. The body is relaxed. The consciousness is suspended. The definition of sleep may seem obvious, but everyone knows that the difference between being asleep and being awake Scientifically and medically speaking, the term is less clear, and there's still a lot that we don't understand about this phenomenon. Thankfully, the University of Chicago, which is the home of the world's first sleep research lab, opened in 1925. They helped clarify a lot of major questions about the biological functions of sleep, as well as the importance in consolidating memories and protecting the human immune system, as well as the negative impacts on sleep deprivation. And in 1983, Rekshifan had made a major discovery on sleep. Without sleep, and he was also at the University of Chicago, by the way. Without sleep, a mammal will die. And he tested this on rats. They were continuously deprived of sleep and began to suffer severe health effects and died within about two weeks of starting this study. So what happens to our brain during sleep? The neuronal cells of the brain use electrical signaling to send and receive messages throughout the brain and body. During this transition into sleep, those electrical signals begin to fall into wave-like patterns with different wave pattern associated, uh, I should say associations. Um, these have we have in our different stages of sleep. As the body relaxes, the brain then shifts into the relatively rapid alpha waves. So it's a different wave set. And as a person dozes off, so to speak, the signaling transitions into slower theta waves before finally setting into the deepest stage of slow wave sleep, our REM sleep. And REM sleep is characterized by rapid movement, eye movement especially, so it's defined as rapid eye movement sleep. And this happens behind the eyelids, and the brain creates patterns during REM sleep that closely resemble those awake during our time our brain is functioning. It's also the stage of sleep where dreams occur. The brain will cycle through these various stages of sleep several times per night. And they take about 90 minutes to two hours to complete one single cycle. I want you to remember that it's not about the time that you spend asleep. It's it's about the amount of cycles that you complete. And that's not in one night. I would rather you look for the cycles you need to complete in a week's average. So somebody who might get two to four nights of sleep one night could get nine to ten hours the next night 
and still be able to recover the same as somebody who is getting six, seven hours each night. For the ability to improve our health by sleeping more, I see this with people who have sleep apnea and it's called continuous positive airway pressure. So people who are receiving CPAP treatment for sleep apnea, they can improve their sleep quality and lower the risk for metabolic and cardiovascular diseases. A lot of people with sleep apnea tend to be more of obesity demographic and this is something closely related to heart disease and sleep especially. So patients can prevent this as a pre-diabetes or even injury or disease prevention, and this will help lower their resting heart rate ultimately. And you want to be able to, I'm trying to think of the word for it, be at that lower rate where you have a lower recovering heart rate to be able to provide your body more adaptability, more space for when your heart rate does increase or change and that you have more room for expansion, kind of like a spring, which creates a cushion. And the more cushion we have, the more adaptability we can have with our heart to excite it, to relax it, all the variants that come in between. I just took a dose of core 21 right now. And I don't take this every night, but whenever I'm in high stress environments or my thoughts seem to feel overwhelming, this is a staple in my nighttime routine. It has ashwagandha, which contains several bioactive compounds, including a group of substances known as withanolides. And withanolides have been associated with anti-inflammatory and antioxidant effects. Gamma-aminobutyric acid, or GABA, is a chief inhibitory neurotransmitter that reduces neuronal excitability throughout the nervous system. This helps your body stay more relaxed, not get so excited, kind of like a stimulant of caffeine would get you into that state. Kava, that's one of my personal favorites. I actually was introduced to this in Fiji in natural form, and it's an extract from or extract, sorry, it's an extract from a shrub that helps reduce stress and anxiety as well as boost quality of sleep. 5-HTP is in there. That's a natural serotonin enhancer and improves your mood. Melatonin, it's a hormone secreted by the pineal gland, which inhibits melanin in formation and plays a big role in our sleep in response to the brain's time spent in darkness. We are so turned on by our phones, blue light, everything that's just in the natural ray of sunlight, that this is very important for us to shut off our brains as we shut off our phones. Cellulase is another uh, digestive enzyme that converts cellulose into glucose. There's proteases, breakdown of proteins into smaller polypeptides or single amino acids, and lactase. These are digestive enzymes that catalyze the breakdown of fats and turn them into fatty acids, glycerols, or other alcohols. And I think of these as fat-burning digestive enzymes that people don't realize help you recovery wise burn fat naturally our body needs to burn fat in our sleep naturally that's one of the biggest ways that we do so and there are other things that are blocking us and this is a great way to help get your health or even just your quality of sleep back on track so you can get your health back on track 
I think about the quality of water as well. And I, I've been very inspired. I hope to have her on this show soon. Her name is Tracy Dews. She trains with a friend of mine, and she's also a friend of one of my friends and clients. And I've been very inspired seeing her talk on my friend's podcast and um, even just talking with my other friend who trains her about uh, water, simply water. She is known and very well known for her personal experiences and struggles with water and how she's been able to improve her knowledge and also share that knowledge with others as to why not all water is the same and trying to figure out the healthiest types of water that are best for you. So we know that water is critical in keeping our bodies functioning properly as it makes up probably 60 to 70% of the human body. These statistics have been very common lately. (laughs) Same with gut health. And they make up every cell, tissue, muscle, and system required That's what water does. We are mostly running water. And this goes without saying that hydrating ourselves is essential for supporting our organs. But most people, we've been recommended to have eight glasses of water per day. I would like to challenge you to match your body water intake in pounds to fluid ounces of water. So someone like myself, who I had mentioned earlier is 137 pounds currently, I should be having 137 fluid ounces of water minimum with electrolytes, with whole foods, And it's up to the person if they're fasting now that I'm thinking about it. But back to the topic of water, which water is the healthiest to drink? Structured water is, by standards, the healthiest water. And it's been an altered state or it's created in an altered state that's formed as a hexagonal molecule cluster. And this cluster is believed to be a highly structured water known as H3O2. It's living water. It shares similarities that are uncontaminated by human processes. So the pros in this are that their molecules are charged and they hold energy and recharge and hydrate the body better than ordinary water. It's providing long-lasting hydration. The cons in this is that there still needs to be a lot of studies on this as it's brand new. But right now, it's the number one. The other version of this is your spring water. And spring water to me is my favorite right now. I'm actually all about drinking spring water when I can. Um, And I will no longer choose purified water, which we'll get to that topic. It's not terrible, but it is not my favorite in general. Um, Going into the next one of, we just talked about structured water and tap water. Tap water goes into various purification methods. It also goes through a chlorine process. um, And I feel like this helps with, yes, removing bacteria, pathogens, contaminants, but it's also stripping the water from nutrients and minerals, especially. We need electrolytes. Does tap water have electrolytes? It depends on the area. And I'm going to tell you probably not enough that's beneficial for you. So tap water its pros is that it's purified. Sure, that can be a pro. It does possibly contain electrolytes, but that's not guaranteed. And it's cheap, readily available. You don't need plastic. And it's by then definition, eco-friendly. Cons are that it does lack nutrients. It's got a distinct odor and taste and can maybe in turn feel unappealing to the person. 
we can taste when water feels or tastes different in our in our taste buds. This also could contain harmful compounds like microplastics and chlorine. And I think about if you're somebody who's having tap water that comes from possible sewage contamination or other environmental effects, just thinking of Aaron Brockovich, you want to make sure that you have other filtration systems like distillation or osmosis. Those are going to help remove pollutants and make the water clean and safe for drinking. But it also will remove essential minerals. So you want to think about mineral water. There's um, sulfur, magnesium, calcium. These all come from underground sources and they're protected in underground mineral springs. They create this salty-like taste and they're full of electrolytes. There's a great amount of research on this out as to how it lowers blood pressure and it really does help improve muscle and bone integrity. Uh, I would say that mineral content lowers blood pressure, boosts muscle growth, and improves bone density, but the cons of this is that some brands might have higher levels of sodium, so you need to be mindful of that, and it is a little bit more of a costly option. Now, going back to Springer Glacier water, I, I have literally put water, uh, five gallon jugs into my house. I got a water subscription. I did all of this in the last two months, six weeks, because of listening to a podcast. (laughs) I'm a sucker for them too. And I am now noticing differences in my face. My acne is improving. Um, And it's not to say that I have acne at all, but I've noticed that with temperature changes or season changes that my face and my body will go under uh, undergo different changes as well. So having quality water and focusing on that, I'm actually, I stopped using water enhancers like drink flavor enhancers because I actually like the taste of water again and I'm appreciating water at its simplicity. I think that it's cool that we can have filtered water but be mindful of stores that are selling Aquafina, Dasani, um, Smart Water. All of those are purified waters. But things like Icelandic Glacier or uh, Fiji Water, Arrowhead, those are natural spring waters. Opt for those. They come straight from the source and they're less likely to contain contaminants. They also contain a good level of essential minerals and they're refreshing to taste. But the con in this is that it can still contain contaminants and there are things like metals and nitrates chlorine or other unwanted elements in there so you could also opt for distilled water this is where you then purify it by boiling it and turning it into a vapor which then captures a gas and condenses it back into a liquid state so is it safe to drink yes and it undergoes its own type of purification process so this will remove contaminants like sulfur and sodium but it does come to question on if you can drink distilled water every single day because we need those vitamins and minerals. And if we lose that long term, we might even lose our hydration or ability or our ability to taste that water, the quality of it in long term. So the pros on distilled water is that it's a good option for tap water and it can contain, you know, that that good, the, the tap water that contains chemicals and pollutants, it's a good option in in replacement of that. 
but it doesn't have vitamins or minerals and can negatively affect your health through mineral leaching, which is something that I've learned from Tracy Dews. And if you have an opportunity to go find her, please do. I am a huge fan of, of her work. And she talks about the fact that purified water and not all water being the same can actually dehydrate you when you drink more water. The irony. This is something where alkaline water comes in and you think of people who don't really have access to other sources or natural spring water, you can get alkaline water and have minerals put back into it. So alkaline water has a pH of uh, eight or nine, where usually tap water is like a pH of seven, and it's considered one of the healthier waters to drink because of those properties, and it helps the body remove free radicals. Um, This would include like diseases, inflammation, and helps properly oxygenate the body. When we have these uh, alkalinated waters, we can hydrate the body better, and then we can also um, remove free radicals, like I mentioned earlier, but this also helps better distribute oxygen and help us recover. Back to that recovery that we were talking about. The cons in this is that there's more research that needs to be done on alkaline water, and it could change the stomach acid levels long-term. So we need to make sure that we're doing things that help us prevent uh, pH uh, imbalances. So you just want to make sure that if it's lowering your pH levels of the body, that you're doing things that help keep your pH levels uh, neutral or at that seven. The last thing I just want to tap on really quick, literally tap on, is purified water. It's a good option if you are looking for a primary water source that isn't contaminated, but it does contain, um, it doesn't contain minerals or electrolytes. So it does uh, mean that it's stripped or removed of all of the good things. So think about somebody who's having whole wheat bread versus uh, sourdough or white bread. You are stripping the nutrients of the grains in that bread that most people would want to have when they are having a fiber-rich food. So make sure you're taking in the nutrients. I hope this information helps. Drink your water. Drink the right water for you. Add minerals. Get your electrolytes in and get good quality sleep. Take care, everyone, and I'll see you all on tomorrow's episode.